Today, I'm joined by Champ Rawls, a partner of the Rawls Group, and Gina Miller, who is a partner with Bennett Thrasher and their dispute valuation and forensics department. Today, we're going to talk about value. Depending upon one's perspective, value can take on many different meanings. Banks, IRS, Wall Street, valuation specialists, business owners, vendors, strategic relationships, such as franchisors or manufacturers, all view value differently. And depending upon one's reasoning for determining value, one's approach view or view could change, such as buying, selling, transferring stock, et cetera. Gina, uh, from your perspective, how do you define value? Well, value can be defined many different ways. It really depends upon the purpose. So who's, who's interested in the value? Is the value for transfer purposes? For example, we've had a client who wants to transfer ownership down to a family member and they want to gift the ownership. Well, in that case, it's for tax purposes and we would look at fair market value, which is defined by the code. Um, also, business owner may want to sell to an ESOP, an employee stock ownership plan. That's also fair market value regulated both by the IRS and the Department of Labor. So you have those issues, but if you're interested in selling to a third party, that buyer may be interested in um, maybe a financial buyer or a strategic buyer. As strategic buyer, you may get the highest amount for your sale because they're going to be able to look for opportunities to reduce the expenses or increase the revenues, and you'll have a higher value then. Thanks, Gina. Um, Champ, um, can you share your perspective of value? Yeah, value um, for us in succession planning is defined through a variety of areas of the business. Um, the financial aspects are important, as Gina states, but we also include the human aspects of the organization. This would be the family makeup, the people that are in leadership positions, and not just even leadership positions, but the entire makeup of a of a business team, um, the vendors that are supporting the um, the business, and the various franchises and manufacturer relationships that go into that as well. Um, probably most important, and I think Gina through valuations can speak to this as well, is um, your brand perception in the community. There's so many businesses that we come across that um, have very good brand receptiveness in the community, very well known, it's positive, they're most likely going to get a higher valuation, a higher multiple. But somebody wants to buy that goodwill. Whereas if you find somebody who's going to come in and they have a terrible brand, a terrible manufacturer, news is going awful. I mean, so many things happen today, I think, on you know social media or stuff that can very much hinder a brand. Um, and that goes beyond what just an individual person can do. So um, those are kind of all the different perspectives we look at as well in how do you define and bring value to a business. Yeah, I agree with you, Camp. I think that, you know, that brand awareness is very important. And the way that we consider that part of valuation is either in the cash flows that can be generated, so better brand awareness, more cash flows, and then also in the multiple, better brand awareness, less risk. So you kind of get a, a double whammy there. You're talking about multiple valuation. We can both agree you want the highest. Absolutely. So Gina, how do you determine value? Well, when we're measuring the value of business, we are looking at three basic approaches to value. You can kind of think of it similarly to uh, a commercial real estate. So what does it cost to build the building? That's an asset approach to value. 
what does a similar building cost in the marketplace? So that would be a market approach to determining the value. And then what are the rents that are generated less the expenses to determine the cash flows? That'll also help you determine a value of commercial real estate. Very similar in determining value of a business, though um, asset approach is rarely used because businesses tend to have more value than just what's on their balance sheets. Uh, but we will look at market multiples and find comparable companies that have either transacted or, if appropriate, we'll look at market multiples for publicly traded companies and do a comparison to determine what that multiple would be. And then also we'll look at an income approach, and that is looking at the future cash flows that are expected and then present value them based on the amount of risk in achieving those. Um, I think the important part here is to remember that um, you know, there are a lot of things that go into either that discount rate for an income approach or a multiple for a market approach. And that multiple really represents growth expectations and risk. And those are the things that we like to focus on to enhance the value of a company. I um, would add on there that, you know, the asset and market approach, the thing that supports those and helps generate the income are the people. Um, and when we look at it, there are many different factors um, that we come in and look at a business and then hopefully bring to the table be able to go, how do I look at the numbers with the asset, the market, and the income to um, help develop the highest value with the financials. But when we are trying to focus on it, I think the things that we're looking at is who are the leadership team moving forward beyond somebody, if it's a transaction within a family, within a, if it's a transaction to um, total third party, um, is that leadership team strong enough? Does Do we have enough bench strength on the key places to be able to um, in a sense, survive a transaction, however it may be. And the real things that we look at is um, through any type of transaction, when you're looking at value is what is the profitability during any type of transaction? Because inevitably when you do a transaction, there's going to be some sort of shock to business and the people. And rather than making a shock become a, business killer, we want to make sure that there's enough positive profitability that the company can weather any type of a transaction. Those are the things that when we're talking about just value, we're going, who's on the team? If we don't have the right places on the team, how do we either develop them or how do we buy them, recruit them to make it as strong as possible to allow for the value of any type of market be the highest it possibly could. So Gina, can you share a little bit with us about how do you increase value? Sure. I think you know there are two really important aspects of increasing value and that is to grow that cash flow, earnings numbers, revenues numbers, because that's what a buyer will apply a multiple to. But that multiple itself is really dependent upon forecasted growth as well as the risks. So Champ was just talking about how management is very important for the company. We look at management, also the depth of management in determining what multiple should be, but also the dependence upon the owner. 
So I work with a lot of business owners and they're, you know, they're really happy to say they built this business from the ground up and it just wouldn't evaporate without them as part of it. However, that's not a good thing when you're looking to sell your business. The buyer wants a company that will operate without the owner in it, hence the sale of the business. So that's one thing we look closely at. Uh, we also look closely at customer concentration. You know, great that you have, you know, you have a significant customer that you've had this long-term relationship with, but if it accounts for more than 10 or 20% of your revenue and they're not under any sort of contract, there's a big risk there that sale of the company, you may lose that customer. Um, other things we look at are, you know, lack of diversification of product could be a huge risk, uh, lack of documentation of your processes. Um, I think they We'll probably go on and on. There are a lot of risk factors that uh, we try to make note of. And then when we talk about accelerating the value, really try to mitigate those risks. Well, and I think that the succession planning perspective of building value really just kind of talks to what you were just talking about, Gina, and the fact that um, if you do not look at um, all factors of your business. And we work with a lot of business owners who are the special sauce. We have to sit there and tell them that beyond you, if you don't develop or train somebody, a successor who also has the special sauce, the value of your company goes with you. And I think as you are touching upon the processes and procedures, what makes you special? compared to the next business down the street that does or sells the same thing. Um, I think one of the huge things, and Gina, maybe you can um, talk to this about multiples, is developing, implementing, and communicating a strategic plan. Um, where are you going? When, when you we're talking about how fast industry and economy moves today, I think you touched on it perfectly. If you have one customer case, they might have made you a lot of money and been um, a very loyal customer, but diversification, um, different um, communities, industries, what's your strategic plan to develop the second, third, fourth layer of income and growth for your company? And I think those are the places where we go. If you put that on paper in front of evaluator and say, this is our plan, that inevitably is going to increase value because everybody's on board that there's a future for this company. I agree, Champ. I think that um, having a strategic plan in writing is great. I wish more of my clients had that um, because it does. We're looking at the projected cash flows. We're looking at the potential growth of the company, and that has a huge effect on um, on the value of the business. And then when the business is actually, um, when the owner is working with the business broker or investment banker, and they're actually marketing the business, that story goes a long way. And it'll be in that memorandum that's shared uh, to let that business owner look, know exactly what that strategic plan is, that, that potential buyer. So this is a big question, Gina. Do you think business owners generally know the value of their business? Well, that's an interesting question. So the Exit Planning Institute prepared a survey just for the state of Georgia, though we could, they also have a national one as well, but the Georgia one's the one I recently looked at. It was prepared in 2018, so it's very recent. But um, 
over 50, so there's a little, almost 60% of business owners generally felt that they understood the value of their business. However, only 8% of business owners that responded to the survey has had, had their business valued within the last two years. So um, I think we're kind of going with business owner gut instincts and not necessarily what a true value of the business is and what um, the value of the business through the eyes of a buyer would be, which I think is very important. I would add that it is all over the gamut of what people think the value of their business is. And I think as Gina was explaining earlier, the ways to value it at the end of the day, if there's a dispute, you need evaluation, but fair market value of somebody who's willing to come in and buy your business is what fair market value is. And so I think for it, two perspectives in this, if you're wanting to sell your business, it's what is the market will pay to a third party. If this is a interfamily partner or, um, any type of um, intercompany transfer, that's where I usually get various crazy. I can just tell you different stories about um, the different perspectives that minority partners, majority partners, family has on what the value of the business is. And when it actually goes through the value part and they see the number, it's a little eye-opening to see the reactions as to um, I've got, I've seen them go, there's no way my company's worth that much money or how dare you put this in front of me? It is worth so much more. And so, um, there's just, I, I just, this is a very good question, Kendall, because, um, it is such a hard thing out there to, um, have to put a, uh, internal value on what you've created because nobody knows how hard you worked. Um, and I will say a lot of um, business owners I work with as well downplay their success. There's no way that my company is worth that. There's, I can't show my wife that, or I can't show my spouse or it's worth that much. We, you know, so it, it, I've seen it all. I will generally say, I think that the stat there that 8% have gotten evaluation in the last two or three years, which was, I wish was a lot higher because it would give everybody in the industry a perspective of what real value is. Right. I mean, I agree, Champ. It is um, just like your annual or biannual physical. You know, you may feel healthy, but you still go to the doctor for a checkup. So business owners, you may think you have an idea of the value of your business, but it's worth looking into every few years to see how that's changed. Do you think business owners know their financial retirement needs, Gina? So, Kendall, that's a really important question because when we're talking to clients that are thinking about exiting and transitioning out of their business, we want to align the, their personal goals, their per personal financial goals, along with, you know, what they need to get out of the business. So um, aligning those two uh, makes a lot of sense because typically for a business owner, their, their largest asset is the company itself. But in the same survey that the Exit, in, uh, Exit Planning Institute put out in 2018, only a little over 50% said that they knew what their financial needs would be after they retire. Um, almost 40% said they had no idea what they would need. 
And so these are really important issues that business owners need to understand. So back to that DAC analogy, you know, have your financial planning checkup done often as well. I would also say that this is another very loaded question that also goes into values because a lot of the business owners that I work with, not only is their business asset their major financial retirement vehicle, they're also putting all of their cash back into the business. So when you say financial retirement needs, their response would be, well, look how much money I have in you know, capital or my cash accounts in the business. And I would ask, Gina, when you see that and you see you're doing valuations and you're looking at all of this personal cash, um, is that something that you have to take out when you're doing a valuation and, and looking at it? Or is that something, if you know that they're using it as financial retirement, um, how does that impact when you're valuing a company and you know that that cash is not there for capital, it's for the person's financial need? Well, certainly when we're looking at uh, the cash flows of the business and um, some of that cash flow is related to personal needs, we won't consider that. We'll really try to separate out anything that's personal so that we're just looking at what the company is because a buyer is going to look, just look at those cash flows related to, to the company. And I would say, I think one of the things in succession planning that we work very, very hard for our clients to understand and develop is that personal financial independence from your business is so important to any type of transition and um, developing that, getting it out of your business. You might have an account with your bank or whatever that's getting you a 4% interest rate. That's fantastic, but that is not personal financial independence from your business. So I think that this is a huge issue and a big question when you ask somebody, what are their financial retirement needs? Well, if it's all tied up in your business, I'm not counting that as you are, you have even an idea of what your retirement needs are. Because as we're talking about today with valuations, economy, conditions, this business could go away tomorrow. And if you are not setting up a vehicle, having a personal financial planner, whatever that person may be to help you get independence from the business that you are looking to buy, sell, transition, um, you are severely missing the boat in regards to developing a full succession plan for the future. Uh, Champ, so when talking about financial independence and um, when you're interacting with a business owner who's in the um, keep or sell um, debacle or just question, what sort of guidance can you give someone when in terms of the benefit of transition from long-term cash flow or the benefit of a sell from long-term cash flow? I think that the best um, answer to that question is to first sit down and actually answer what we were talking about and define what are your financial requirement needs. Um, and that is a whole nother podcast that we could go down to say, how do we do that? But I think in just the most broad perspective, um, understanding long-term where you need to be um, allows you to develop the steps to make a short-term plan today. And what do you need to do with your company, with your profits? I am all about 
reinvesting in a company, but I'm also all about personal financial independence from a business because as I had just said, you never know what's going to go on. And having that um, identified number um, plan separate impacts both your long-term planning and your short-term planning because I think in succession planning, and I think Gina can even speak to this when she's looking at the leadership, if a CEO who is transitioning or or, or selling or, or whatever is the only person who has the special sauce, they have they have held on for so long because they have no other retirement than that business, I would think that that's going to get a lesser of a multiple when you're trying to value business because that's the only person who knows how to do it. And our contention is if you have a independent financial retirement plan, if you have a pot of gold, you are less likely to hold on to the reins of how that business is run than if everything is just reinvested back into that company. I agree, Champ. I think that, um, you know, that having all your eggs in one basket is a lot of risk. And especially as you're approaching retirement, any financial planner would tell you to diversify. And so even though that you believe that investing in your own business is going to give you the biggest returns, the risk is there that you could lose a significant portion of it as well. So Gina, when should owners start planning for a transition? Well, as it turns out, long before they actually want to, (laughs) it's really uh, hard to get a business owner to step back and think about transitioning. But ideally, you would want somebody to start thinking about transition three to five years out, which may seem like a long time. But what we want to do during that time frame is work with the business owner to maximize the value before that company is put on the market. Um, and, And also consider tax strategies. So frequently, we'll work with a business owner that wants to you know, sell or gift some shares to another generation or a trust. And so we'll want to do that, maybe not at a maximized value. We can do that earlier on and then work with the owner to maximize the value. And it really does take three to five years to implement a good strategy for exit. I would agree. And I also think, you know, taking a step back, this is the bigger question of the more successful you are, the longer it's going to take to transition in a sense. And I say that in the sense that um, these big, big companies and these, these people who have been so um, successful generally, and Gina, you can um, add in here if, if you think I'm off base, but the complexity involved when you get bigger and bigger and bigger requires that transition needs more and more planning. There's the taxes involved. There's the people involved. There's the structuring involved. And I think that's where I can say as well, three to five years, I would say from my perspective, might not even be enough. This, I think it should be an ongoing um, plan in your mind to go, you never want to think of the end, but how am I structuring things appropriately? What am I doing currently today to make sure that I think as we're talking about value, I'm getting the highest value for my company, no matter what transition it may be in the end. Um, and I think the biggest transition, and Gina, I don't know how much you run into this, is, and the worst is death. 
And that's where it comes into how a, a you know an unplanned or a planned one um these big successful companies out of death if nobody has done any transition that's when you can lose a lot of value you can lose a lot of family harmony um and i think that's where i just say start yesterday that that's my number for it whatever yesterday is start it and um get going right so if business owners would think like investment strategist, then you would think about the transition out of the business as soon as you began the business. So similar to if you bought a piece of real estate, you may have in mind, I'm going to buy this piece of real estate, I'm going to hold it for years, and then I think I'm going to either develop it or or sell it, you know, in another manner. Business owners should be doing the same thing, but it's hard to talk a business owner into the planning for the exit part. And so, um, but definitely begin with the end in mind is good advice. Perhaps a way to think about it is that um, business owners should always be thinking about transition in the sense that the business is always transitioning because there may be a new economic focus happening in the sense that their industry is hot right now, their industry may not be hot in the future, or um, the economy is thriving right now, or there may be an impending recession or even from a business owner perspective that they're transitioning into the next form of what they want to be doing as an owner with the, with the business growth. So if they're wanting to grow the business and diversify, then the business and themselves are transitioning to a new, another position that they would need to, to backfill um, from a bench strength um, perspective. What do you guys think about uh, looking at the planning of transition from that perspective? I definitely think that planning that transition, we like to say um, exiting on your own terms, right? And so um, having an exit strategy in mind helps you be more proactive than reactive to either economic situations, family situations, management situations. I really like how you said exit on your own. What was that? Exit on your own terms that um sounds really good because i i mean i'm just thinking from personal experience of our clients who have um built up phenomenal phenomenal value in their businesses um did them so hard so strong and were ready for the entrepreneurial retirement got the highest value cashed out and five years later got the bug back and are now buying back into the industry and now have growth plans to expand. And so the, they exited on their own terms. They built the value, they got the value, um, they sold it for that value and it put them in a place to be able to do what they wanted in their future. And it just so happens they really liked business. So they got back into it. So I think exiting on your own terms and I would even add to that one, Entering back on your own terms um, is all forms of transition. And I think that's where uh, when we all are saying, you know, always be planning for it, because um, while it might sound bad to be thinking of your exit, there's always an entrance if you exit the right way. What are the first steps to um, to take action? The first thing you need to do is make an assessment. So what, what do you have and what are your goals? So what do you have? You have a business. What's the value of the business? 
what, um, how ready is your business for the market? Um, and how ready are you to go through this process of transitioning your company? And then what are your goals? Um, how do you want to transition the company? Um, are you transitioning because you want top dollar? Are you transitioning because you want a legacy? Uh, maybe you want to take care of your employees, but you have to step back and understand what your goals are so that you can match what, um, what you have and what that exit might look like with your goals so that you're happy in the end. I agree. And I would add that um, from our perspective in succession planning, the first lens that we always look at is owner motivation and perspective. And that sets for us the course of any um, forward-thinking movement of a succession plan, an exit plan, a transition plan, whatever that may be. So and I think as Gina, you had just said, what encompasses that is if your motivation and perspective is to sell for the highest value, then what are the back steps that we need to put in place, team, plan, diversification, culture, you know, some of the soft things that also very much impact uh, value, but what do we need to do to build it and then put the plan in to get to, to Gina to find the highest value and the highest buyer to put it on the market? And I think, um, as you were saying, it really comes out to who's going to help you put that plan together, who's going to help you put that time frame together, who's going to help you be accountable to getting that. And I think that's where it all comes down to who's on your team and making sure that you have the most trusted advisors who are working on your motivation perspective um, is from my perspective, the first step. You're absolutely right, champ. It's, it's, you have to have a team of individuals to help. No one individual can take care of all of your needs. So we're talking about, you know, trusted advisors, CPAs, business consultants, attorneys, financial planners, uh, just be prepared. It does take a team to take you through this transition. Thank you um, both Gina and Champ for your time today. Um, this is Advancing Your Business, Your People and Your Legacy podcast, um, which is produced by the Rawls Group and hosted by me, Kendall Rawls. Um, again, thank you to Champ Rawls, who is a partner with the Rawls Group, and Gina Miller, a partner with Bennett Thrasher in their Dispute Valuation and Forensics Department. Um, you can hear more of this discussion on our website at rawlsgroup.com. Thanks so much.